I mean, I get, I've got the Inspector Gadget theme stuck in my head right now. Oh, and dude, I get that one in my head frequently. And I have no idea why or where it came from, but I would, I would really like it to leave. Ferber's very, uh, once he's, once he's logged in, he has a lot of experience with me getting random tunes stuck in my head. Um, to the point where sometimes we would get to basketball games and we'd be in like the, the old school uh, media meal line, and he would be like, "No." And I would be like, what? And he would be like, no. no. Oh, sorry. Didn't even realize I was like humming or whatever. No. Knock it off, rookie. Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Disney sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 17th. Um, the other day, so, I don't know how Dave stumbled on to these old episodes, which are like, like not just like old, but they're just, they're, they're so far old that like they're not even on a server anywhere. Because Rivals has gone through so many different um, technology upgrades that the old stuff just got lost. Anyway, uh, at the time we were talking realignment stuff, and here we are once again in the year of our Lord, 2023, about to do a little bit on uh, realignment. Um, and if that's not your jam, I'm very sorry, but we're gonna have some we're gonna have some laughs about it. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, the aforementioned board moderator du jour himself, David Spence, is on the show from Fishersville. How's it going, my friend? Uh, great. I'm taking a break from listening to those episodes uh, to record another one. Um, big shout out to Pops for having those on his server. I think all the way back to episode <laughs> six, which is crazy. We were just we let we little lads back then. Who is on the board at Who is on Twitter? I don't believe I was ever little. I was young. Um, we we it, did sound younger. I'm telling you, it's great. <laughs> I bet. In uh, Charlottesville, editor in chief Justin Verber is also on this year's program. How's it going, my dude? Not too bad. Um, I mean, like at some time, you know, there are definitely times where stuff like that passes for a topic. Um, and then this realignment stuff came up and like, I think I said it on the show last week, but it was like something, something always comes up. Something always comes up. We always get something. Something always happens. These these dark times. Add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, all right, first off, before we, before we get into the magnificent seven slash eight. Uh, and I really wish that that one report about like the two ADs sort of coming to blows was actually legit. Cause that would have been amazing. Um, so Dave found these episodes on his, on his dad's server, whatever he found them. He said, Oh, he found them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he found these, these, uh, how many was it, Dave? How many total? Seven or eight. Not okay. to look, I've only listened so, to like five and six or six and seven. So these are early days of the show. Uh, back when I used to upload the thing to the um, to the actual rivals board, and basically we uploaded it like it was a like it was a picture back in the old days, back before we had like an actual host that you know distributed the thing, whatever. It just lived on the message board, or excuse me, lived on the website. Um, and we're talking realignment now. I haven't had a chance to listen to this, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna assume 
that we all sounded brilliant. That's just what I'm I'm going to go with. We were all just throwing, you know, 100 mile an hour heat as we talked about conference realignment. What stage of realignment was it even in at that point? I mean, I don't I mean, it was 2012, yeah. May Peyton of 2012. Syracuse had already joined. Because that so was mentioned. Louisville had not yet, right? Yeah, that's correct. Louisville I, and I think Dame Maryland was still just yet. like in the league, like at that point. Yeah. But I, also to make it clear, I wasn't on the show then. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know, you're, right? You're a listener. Yeah. It <laughs> also wasn't a palatial Franklin <laughs> Estate yet either. Yeah. <laughs> Brad hadn't finished his renovation at that point. That's true. I hadn't I hadn't added the pool yet. Um, that was crazy, though. I mean, not a little off topic just for people who care about the history. Like uh, episode six and seven were recorded the same day around you know brad's dining right. room table that's right um, i was, was really confused funny. by that because brad was like as we always do we're recording two episodes at the same time and i was like oh god i hope he doesn't bring that back <laughs> <laughs> two episodes one table um yeah. that's that that i can't even like i all right i don't know what this says about me but i have legitimately i have i have recollection of like setting everything up i have no idea about like, like, I bet you if I listened to it, it would be like Bizarro World because I'm like, I don't have any, I don't have any recollection of saying any of these. I'm words. I'm so glad it was realignment, but before you guys got to that, there was like some recruiting stuff, and there's this whole oh, listening to like the, I mean, there's no way to sound smart. Corwin eight Cutler. years later, like there just isn't. Oh man, is adding Corwin Cutler to the quarterback room with the other seven a good yeah. move for Virginia? What's it yeah, just... it's like well, they already have Brendan Marshall. They're already so... pretty loaded. <laughs> so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then it's like, well, hopefully Philip Sims gets the get, you know, like if he takes the red shirt, then you know he has like two more oh, years. God, Philip Sims. It was a whole but, thing. But keep in mind, like this was the this um, spring before like the landing uh, Andrew Brown class. Yeah, and that came, came up, and that yeah, came, came up. up the end. And then I, I really enjoyed Brad saying, "Man, if they could pair Cat Barber with Matthew Thomas, like man." Like, I mean, actually, they would have been, that would have that would have worked. Probably. This, this suddenly <laughs> explains why you randomly sent the link to Matt Thomas's. Uh, Iowa State bio the other day. Oh man, those were. I legit days. did not remember him at all. Like as a like just as a recruit that UVA yeah. was after, and I was like, whoa. And then Brad or Dave was like, yeah. Well, I mean, they have Taylor Barnett already, so I mean, like you know, they're doing all right. This is a good. I mean, this is a good lesson to everybody out there. Like yeah. some of the names that you hear on the periphery, and then some names that actually become part of things, even though they were like on the periphery probably won't be as big a deal. Right. Like, cause I mean, that's just sort of the nature of recruiting. Um, but it is funny to look back on like, I mean, some of the, like we used to do, we used to do this gag, uh, like among the three of us where like, we would randomly be like, what is Hippolito Corporate uh, Hippolito Corporate doing today? You know, like these random names from like recruitments past, um, you do this long enough and you have a pretty lengthy list of just random names that you could just throw it uh, at people. Um, I, man, that is, that is, that is really far back there. That just shows like when, when I joke about how we're the you know longest running uh, podcast in the ACC, um, that that's a nice illustration right there. We're just wondering if Brennan, <laughs> if Brennan Marshall's going to be the guy, man. What a yeah! At some point this summer, we'll have to. As I listen through the old ones, I'll have to find one that's really good and just go back and kind of play it and dissect it. And do you think? Do you think we I could think sneak it in and people would just be like, "Wait, what has happened?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll let you know. I mean, based on the first two I listened to, I'm yeah. <laughs> we I think to, people will listen just to hear it again. It's crazy. Three, me and Dave and Walt used to record around my table, and um, like I I still remember like all the gear. 
and whatnot. I still have I still use the same mic stand that we that we bought like way back when. Um, but we had like a soundboard. I mean, we re- we really went into it um, early on, and we had no idea what we were doing. But you know, I bet you it doesn't sound too bad. Um, it, the quality is good. There were I mean, there were things being like there was just too much football optimism for that time. I mean, they were coming off the Orange Bowl or the uh, Chick Fil A Bowl, but you guys didn't know what was coming. So I wish it, it kind of reminded me of like a. Uh, you know, in Shawshank, when Morgan Freeman gets paroled at the end, and he's like, "I want to go back and talk to him and tell him <laughs> that stupid kid, he did that thing or whatever." You know, like that's how I felt. I was like, yeah. "I wish I could go back and tell them what's about to happen." <laughs> wish you could. BCS is dead, just just. And football hadn't really, yeah, exactly. That was in there. And football or basketball hadn't really taken off yet. I mean, nope. I think everybody was like pretty pleased with where the program was because I think they had just made the tournament. But like yeah, this was like a couple years. This is pre Joe Hair, pre twenty fourteen. Yeah, you know all that. So I don't think basketball was on our minds when we started the podcast. Like it was no, started it to talk about this football spe- recruiting. Yeah, it was specifically football a stuff. football. You know, hey, football is about to blast off, and let's let's try to get on the front edge. And thank woo. God for Tony Bennett. <laughs> yeah, right. Tony Bennett rescued us from our uh, our our football delusions of grandeur. Um, man, that oh man. The, and I, I, I'm pretty sure until Bronco that Philip Sims was the f- only like emergency podcast we had done, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah, I wasn't on that one, but you and Walt did one. Um, yeah. Just for the record, that cur- that cursed that cursed broadcast. It. Oh, yeah. God. But in reality, like the podcast started before the ACC as it currently is existed. Yeah, that's true. Our podcast is older than the current ACC, which hell. Yeah. Uh, by next week, it might not exist as it is. That's a perfect segue because, listen, if you haven't been plugged into this, we're going to do our best to sort of... Um, and I, and um, I wasn't. I mean, I, I kind of caught up, but I was on vacation. So I was like, what is going on here? Magnificent 7. What the hell is this? <laughs> so Ferber will not be our go-to source on, on No, I just... I mean, like, right? I catch me up because I was like, what, you know, like, what the hell is going on? So basically, uh, seven ACC schools and also maybe Louisville. So I like Magnificent 7 slash 8. That just f- feels perfect. That v- feels very hashtag go ACC to me. Um, essentially have been in cahoots for a while to look at the possibility of potentially... Do you hear, you hear all those qualifiers? The possibility of potentially that was a uh, that's like a uh, Connor Roy. That was like, very Connor Roy. From what we can tell, as far as we know, as far, from what we can whatever. tell, as far as we know, from what we have learned. Yeah. Um, but it, it, basically, the idea being that these schools have sort of looked at a variety of different options for um, ways to sort of get out of the grant of rights. I don't know necessarily that those schools would do anything together once they sort of broke out of prison, so to speak. Um, but it certainly does feel like that there are a lot of schools that are getting a little antsy. Now, I know that a different revenue model seems to be coming out of Amelia Island and the ACC meetings. I, real quick, if you're listening to this, for those who maybe aren't like fully aware like these meetings happen every year so this was not something called specifically because of realignment or the magnificent seven slash eight this this is a thing that happens okay and it is especially juicy because apparently this report pops at at essentially the worst time because then they get in the room and everybody is like the folks who aren't involved in this are very much like what in the you know what and the other side, essentially, I mean, I got to be honest. I don't know if you guys read Teal's story with Whit Babcock from uh, from Tech, 
But man, I mean, he was like, look, you know, it's probably not the best thing and it probably does hurt some people's feelings. But yeah, we've been talking. We're trying to, I mean, like he really sort of put it out there, which as somebody who, who cares about UVA and what happens with UVA, I got to be honest, man. I don't want to see the ACC crumble. Like it is not something that like I think is a good thing, nor is it something that I think is like, um, I don't know, desired. But I would much rather the UVA be aggressive and try to figure out because I mean the athletic department is too good to sort of just watch as college as college sports sort of leaves it behind, you know. And if you start to look at the numbers of the payouts and sort of the revenue that that you know schools in the Big uh, Ten and the uh, SEC are getting versus those from the Pac, um, are they ten or twelve these days? Pac twelve the um, Big Twelve and the ACC, it's 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 not even close, man. And this is not like it's this is not a revelation, right? This is not revelatory. Like this is this is all stuff we've known for years was going to be a thing. Um, but basically, the ACC schools have been trying to look at how to sort of break free. And to this point, you would one would assume have not found um, a way through the briar patch. And it certainly feels like to me the opening salvo or um, the latest salvo in a um, a potential death march for the league. I don't think there's any way to sort of get around that. Uh, Dave, let's go go with you next. Give me some general thoughts on sort of some of the news we've heard about the seven slash eight. Yeah, as a callback to episode six, um, where the BCS was dead, I believe the ACC is dead. Um, I just don't see any way. And now, I'm, you know, maybe I should preface that the ACC as currently configured is dead. Um, All right, cool. We'll like, listen to this in eight years and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> put this in. Yeah, the, exactly. Put this in the time uh, in the in the time vault, and we'll we'll revisit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the time frame is on it, but. Look, I mean, these ads aren't stupid. The grant rights is, you know, very hard to get out of. Um, I've spent thirty minutes reading it today. Just, you know, it's only four, five pages, um, but it's a whole lot of legalese. It sounds pretty bonding. Um, but yeah, I, I just at some point, you know, if you're not able to, there's no benefit for the for the news about the magnificent seven to get out. So it got out because people wanted to get it out. They wanted yep. to get out to kind of let people know things are things are brewing. Um, and then when they concluded today, it sounded like, oh, things are better. They're moving to a new revenue model. Maybe you know, everyone's pretty happy. And then as soon as the ADs get home, you start hearing trickles. But we're going to keep pursuing. We're going to keep doing this. It reminds me a lot of all the other conferences that, you know, the Big East before it broke up and, and the ACC before the initial expansion. You know, it's kind of this, you get some smoke and then they put it out um, and then two or three days later you got a four alarm fire so it just screams of something bad and you know it's not you know you mentioned the revenue disparity um it hasn't happened yet you know they're getting more now but the the amount more they're getting in the next two or three years starts to become laughable um and you know you add the nil nil component to this it just it makes these teams puts these teams in a desperate situation you know all the acc members so I think there's got to be some kind of resolution fast. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Um, so I'm Hashtag not gonna, breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. And if you hear this and you think I'm wrong, you know, and I'm wrong, call me out on it, Twitter, message me, whatever. But from what I can tell, the only way that granted rights thing is going to get broken is if the entire conference agrees to let it go. Um, 
And I don't think that's off the table because if you can, you've already got seven schools and maybe eight, and then we don't know where Notre Dame stands since they're kind of a partial member. But if you get that many who've got other options and want to get out, it becomes in the best interest for the other schools to go ahead and let them because even if they end up in a smaller conference, it's probably not going to, they're probably going to end up making more than they would in the ACC currently just because there's money there. Um, even if your, you know, your TV revenue drops, you've got less pieces of pie to divide, right? So like, I'll be shocked if it doesn't happen. And as a, as the old head on the show, it'll be kind of sad, but you know, the ACC in many ways, if it happens, the ACC brought it upon itself. You know, they kind of beat their chest when they were the first to expand and kind of beat everyone to the punch. And then they, you know, got all proud because the grant of rights is going to make them untouchable. But right. You know, that the lack of ability to foresee like the tremendous increase in TV revenue, that grant of rights is just, you know, it's a noose right now. Real quick for folks who maybe aren't following this or have or don't know some of the particulars. Right. So when we talk about grant and rights, what we essentially mean is that the schools in the conference agreed that together collectively they would um, give ESPN full rights as part of this deal to the television contracts, right? So any any football game, essentially, that uh, that uh, that originated from an ACC school, the ACC controls those those rights, okay? Happened in 2016, expires in 2036. Now, at the time, this was seen as, like, the bulwark against expansion, right? Because schools can't leave. Essentially, what, what's the purpose to leave if you don't control... Um, your broadcast rights. That is essentially the, the the entire game, right? And so schools thought, and and many around college sports thought, in, that after 2016, the ACC doing this was, in a lot of ways, a way to sort of essentially make themselves bulletproof, and that it would both protect the league itself and the and its member schools because all of them would be in a collective. The problem is, is that as the TV landscape has changed, the ACC is essentially the thing has been flipped where before the schools, because they had the grant and rights together, essentially sort of um, protected themselves from other schools within the league leaving and protected the league itself because then there was no essential like um, fear, so to speak. Right. But what it ultimately did was it, 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 it allowed ESPN to have so much leverage in its TV deal that as all these other schools and conferences are able to sort of re um, renegotiate their deals, they're able to add schools, they're able to make the footprints bigger and bring in uh, more value. The ACC essentially can't do that because ESPN controls those rights. ESPN has a hell of a deal with this, and ESPN would, frankly, from a business standpoint, be crazy to sort of let the ACC renegotiate something that is locked in stone, right? Now, that's not to say that if the ACC were to add like a Notre Dame or whoever, that those rights wouldn't be, um, that the that the deal wouldn't be renegotiated. But on a large scale, it essentially locks the ACC schools into a place where they can't, they can't even explore the op- opportunities that are out there, really, in terms of being able to add, which is why ADs and lawyers and such from the various schools have been, continually looking at how to get around this perceived firewall. And, you know, again, Wit kind of makes the point that like, there's no way, um, there's no way an AD in this time and place, regardless of whether or not 
the expansion or realignment conversations are real, right? It doesn't matter. An AD is, is kind of screwed either way um, in terms of how they comment on it. So it's in their best interest at each school, all 15 of them, to look at it in different ways. And that's probably been um, much more prevalent than all of us knew. Certainly, I would not have expected if you had said that there are seven ACC schools that are looking to leave or at least are you know meeting in small groups and having these conversations with each other. I probably wouldn't have pegged those seven as the seven, which I believe it's Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Carolina, NC State. Is that the seven? And then the eighth is possibly Louisville. Um, I, I would have assumed that that's that makeup would be a little bit different. Um, for in terms of like the way you see this thing and typically on these kinds of matters, you know, you and Dave are t- typically the, my, my go-to sources because you guys like live and breathe a lot of this stuff in ways that, um, frankly, I, I, I don't always, um, is this much to do about nothing? Do you think that this little magnificent seven is a real, has any legs like, or is this just noise? And these ADs are essentially trying to wriggle out of, um, you know, out of a, uh, a harness or, you know, out of, out of some sort of restraint that essentially is at this point, we're just going to all going to have to wait till 2036 to get out of. Yeah. I think the best way I could describe it is like, you see it in the movie sometimes where like a person that's handcuffed will like handcuff someone else to them. And then you're sort of like in a pact. Um, like it's like I'm handcuffed, but so are you now. Um, it's kind of like what they did with the grant of rights. It's like, we're safe, but we're also right. not, you know, we're together now. Like, you know, but it's like a life vest made of lead. Um, like it weighs yeah, you down. We all, we all connected you, each other and now we're all drowning. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, you're all just kind of stuck where you are. Like you can't like the other leagues are just like you said, more agile. They can renegotiate. Um, I think like when this stuff happens, I'm like, who benefits from this news being out? Because I, I don't think it's coincidental that it came out when it did like that i'm 100 percent sure that it's not coincidental actually um it came out while they were meeting for a reason or like when they were about to meet for a reason um and this is when this stuff always comes out is when there's like meetings between the ad's or whatever because it's there's a reason somebody's trying to get something well who's trying to get something that would want this out the answer is the ad's that want to renegotiate the deal to make it based on on field success like unequal revenue right yeah because what they're trying to do is scare the smaller teams in the conference into voting for that, right. which because it's like, oh, crap, we either do this or maybe they get out of it. Right. You know, um, and if we don't or or more, maybe more succinctly, if we don't do this, they're going to continue to press to get out of it. Right. They're going to keep trying to leave. You know, right. they'll do what they're going to they're 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 already they're already being clandestine and meeting behind our back. So, like, they're going to continue to try to do that unless we give them the carrot which is right. unequal revenue sharing. Right. So like the ADs at like Clemson and Florida state are probably the ones that got this out. If I had to guess, yeah. um, or maybe one of the other schools, but I, I think it came from their side, not the other side. Right. Um, and I think like, when you look at this, I think it makes sense to do the due diligence to try to see what, if you can get out of the grand rights. Um, because like, you never, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. like, if the Big Ten comes to UVA tomorrow and is like, hey, we have a spot for you, you're like, all right, well, we don't think we can get out of it. And then, like, Florida State's like, screw it. We're leaving. Like, then maybe you need to figure out how you get out of it because, like, th- then the dominoes have started to fall. And it does kind of feel like we're – Yeah, it kind of feels like we're waiting for, like, one, you know, maverick 
whoever to just throw caution to the wind and then the whole and just thing be like, all right, cool. See you in court or whatever. But yeah. I mean, like, I think there's too much downside for that at this point. Yeah. Um, just because the, like, I think like we've seen other grant of rights in other leagues, nobody's been able to break it. Nobody's even tried. Um, nobody in the ACs. Like, I think if, you know, if like Florida state or Clemson or whoever found a way out like months ago, they would have just left or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the, the way that the article's, were written made me think they tried to find a way and they haven't been able they to haven't find been able one. to do that right yeah i kind of feel that well real quick one for folks who also may not be aware of this the acc does essentially um equal distribution among member schools and that i believe if i'm if and somebody correct me if i'm wrong here but i believe that was also tied to that grant and rights uh, deal is that there would be equal distribution of revenue so it doesn't matter if you went to this or that whatever Essentially, the league splits it all up um, evenly. There are some schools who are understandably frustrated by that because they feel like they are doing more heavy lifting in terms of bringing that revenue in than yeah. the revenue that is actually Clemson. Being sent Clemson to went to the playoff, won all those titles, and then they got the same money as Boston College. Exactly. Like, um, to that to that end, it definitely feels like to me that that essentially they're waiting for one school to to sort of jailbreak the thing. And it, it certainly feels like to me that if, to Ferber's point, like if they could have done it, they would have done it, right? And this idea that like the the ACC is going to bring everybody in, come together, you know, 10 of the 15 schools are going to vote yes and change the revenue model and that that's going to sort of close the delta. Dude, I, that, that dog don't hunt. I mean, that delta is substantial. I mean, you're talking... No, dozens of millions of dollars. It's a band aid fix. Even it's, if you it, get it's it barely even that. I mean, it, you're you're at, you're you're essentially saying I want to put a band aid in a place where twenty stitches should go. I mean, it yeah. is just not even remotely close. And the problem that these ACC schools who want to leave run into, which is like, yeah, they would be, you know, Virginia, Carolina. You know, we heard all those rumors last year, year before, whenever it was about the Big Ten and such and such and such, or the ACC, the SEC, and there was a whole uh, what was a swim swam. <laughs> who who <laughs> floated all these things about you know it's I I genuinely think there was a lot of um there was a lot of stock that should have been put into those rumors because they made sense from the standpoint of like these are the schools that it 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 kind of stands to reason would want to leave but for different reasons right Dave has been on this uh you know very vocal in our text thread about like of all the things that happen here um doing the re essentially changing the revenue model and everybody stays locked in is probably the worst case scenario for UVA. Um, and I, it I also isn't going to work in the long run because no, like, like you said, if you give Clemson, like, all right, let's say right now they're making 30, but if they, they win the league, they get 36. That's not going to stop them from leaving when they can leave because yeah, the SEC is going to be making 70, 80. Exactly. 90. It just means that wake and, and BC aren't getting a little, they're going to get less for a while and then Clemson will leave anyway <laughs> or whatever. I'm just using it. Clemson. Only thing it really interests. The only thing it does is when bowl selection comes around, it makes it a lot more interesting. You're like, yeah. I don't want to go to that bowl. It pays 2 million less, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a band aid Cause yeah, I think I saw one that said, you know, of like, you know, the years Clemson won the title, won the ACC title, and then made the playoffs and then made the championship, they would have gotten like 10 million more than went into been divided up. Um, it's not nothing, but it's, you know, that's a few million more for the schools who are never going to touch that money. I mean, a few million less they're going to get. So I just think, you know, it just creates more of a, 
you know, more of a bad atmosphere amongst the amongst the league. Um, yeah, you know, it's I, funny, like the way the granite rights came about, you know, was kind of keep this, you know, kind of stop all that crazy expansion that was going on at the time. Um, but now it, you know, the, the way the ACC can combat what's going on is to expand themselves, but they can't do it because the granite rights says, Hey, if you're going to join us, you got to sign this freaking terrible document. Um, yeah. So who's going to agree to that? And if you get or someone, you they're not the bringing in ACC any value. With, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of chairs place. left out there anyway. Like who? There's nobody. We talked about this last year, but like it's not like there's some team out there that's gonna fix it, except for Notre Dame. And even them, like I don't know. Like I don't even know anymore. Like what that does. I mean, it helps, but like I yeah. don't know that all your problems are solved. But um, we, we, you know, football drives the revenue train, right? So if you add Notre Dame, what other great football program that gets a lot of eyes is out there and there's not there's none you there know? aren't any and you know you're still going to have clemson and florida state but you're you're not going to be the sec or the big 10 uh two quick thoughts here one is that it's really funny to me that i mean we all know clemson in this conversation has you know some some legit legs to stand on giving its success uh in the playoff and whatnot but it is funny to me to hear Florida State talking up, you know, this revenue situation, which, I, I, granted, I understand that, you know, the Knowles have a significant following. I understand that despite their on-the-field uh, issues and lack of success of late, they, they still demand uh, a significant sort of fan um, following and such, okay? However, they have been you could argue extremely underwhelming in the however many years. And one of the reasons the ACC is, is where it is, is because the teams that were supposed to be the best of the best, right? The, the teams that were supposed to be the ones that carried, you know, the football piece of things, the Florida States and Miamis and, you know, to a lesser extent, I think the Virginia Techs have just not been that good. They've been in disarray. Look how many coaches uh, from those three programs have been um, installed and then sent on their way, right? Think about sort of where things were. I mean, think about that that episode we were talking about earlier. We were joking about sort of like how long it's been and stuff. So many of these topics are on the table because schools like Florida State and Miami did not deliver. They frankly just did not deliver. They're, we're lucky as a league that Clemson did because otherwise, think about the lack of football success. To the point where, like, one of the ACC's divisions, and understandably, admittedly, Virginia is a part of that, but one of the ACC's divisions was literally the biggest laughing stock in all of college football. It was a, it was like a whole thing. It was like a, oh, let's watch over here to see what the weirdos are up to, right? And it, it is kind of laughable to me to see Florida State and Miami be among the men. Yeah, and Miami seven. was in that division. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, what's so exactly. funny. It's not like it was uneven divisions or something. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, no, for sure. And so, like, it's just really funny to me to hear, like, Florida State's AD being so, like, you know, you know, he's up here pontificating all this and that. I'm like, my guy, like, Florida State is part of the problem. Like, if Florida State was better, they just don't the see themselves be that way. They, can't, they yeah, think they can't like, oh, we're it. the ones that'll benefit from unequal unequal revenue because we'll be the winners. We're, we're, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Florida State is always on the cusp of being back, right? Yeah. Whereas Miami is just back every year. It's like, oh, Miami's back. Florida State's like always on the cusp. Oh, wait, now they got it together. Do they though? They might now, and that's and if that happens, that's great. And I love it for the ACC. I love it for people who love Florida State. Um, 
But at the end of the day, man, if you look back over the, the recent history, one of the reasons why the league is where it is is because the league has not been very good. Outside of Clemson, the league has not been good. I know that there have been a handful of other teams who had their moments, but that ain't the same thing. Yeah, yeah. you got to think You got to think about the history of the Granite Rights, too. I think it gets overlooked. Um you know, to go with, uh, to speak to what you're talking about, it's so the original one was signed in 2013 and that was going to go through 2027, which if you sat here right now and it ended in four years, I think everyone would be perfectly happy with that, you know? Um, but in 2016, the ACC renegotiated with ESPN and signed a 20 year deal and extended the grant of rights 20 years. Do the bet. That's before Clemson started really, really become. You know, they think 2016 might have been their first title. Florida State honestly was run. closer to yeah. Florida State had had won in 2013 or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, the ACC was better the three or four years after they signed it. Um, you know, when Clemson was kind of at their peak, but you know, to 2036, that's like 13 years from now. It's it's un- unimaginable that the ACC can stay in this as it is. Um, I agree, but it's just a lot of bad decisions that, yeah. You know, I think if anything, if I, if I'm a AD now, you know, you know, if I'm a school president, I, I don't care what happens ten years down the road. I I want to sign five year deals because, yeah, you need you know, to be more mobile. Something's going to happen, right? Like these this seven billion dollar a year contract or whatever the Big Ten has with Fox and them. Um, I mean, if <laughs> the way this is going, it's going to blow up, right? At some point, one of these networks isn't going to be able to pay the bill, and it's going to get divided up amongst a bunch of different networks, and right. these schools are going to take a cut. Yeah. Um, so it's no. That's the tr- that's the problem. Like people are getting the money now, going to build all these facilities and everything else you see, but we, I think we all know it's going to fall. The problem is there's going to be a lot of schools that don't survive until that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the end game, I think the end, you talked about the ACC dying. I don't know that it officially will die. Like, I think what we know it as now will eventually, because yeah. I think it'll get absorbed like the other conferences into some sort of other power structure. Right. Where it's like, they'll all negotiate together for some right. TV deal. And it won't be equal distribution because like right. the SEC you, and the Big Ten would have no reason to do that. Um, have you guys the seen the talk about like splitting the ACC? Into like the smaller group would just go back and form like a smaller conference. I mean, I mean, like the original freaking ACC. Is that what you do? Um, well, I think, I think that there's still some sort of like semblance of a conference, but like, I, I mean, obviously, like we saw what happened with some of these other leagues, like the Big East had football and they just completely disappeared, but they were, they were constituted kind of differently. They had all these like basketball only members. Um, and they were able to kind of pivot in that way. I think the ACC, the end game is you probably lose your more valuable football brands and you just sort of get relegated to like a second tier. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest with you, they already are. They already like, are. That's fair. They need to, like, and that's what's so funny about going back to that podcast you guys were talking about. Like nobody was really wrong, but you guys were like, if they don't like make some changes, you ACC's not going to be on the level with these other leagues. Hashtag like, we were yeah. right. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's exactly what happened. Well, and the um, other thing too, like that's worth, com- like worth, a, I think a part of this conversation is like these, you know, to, to, I think it was Dave's point, like these TV deals, have, have you guys paid any attention lately to the way media has been going? I don't mean yeah. you guys specifically, I mean, just generally, right? Like you've got Disney making cuts, you've got a lot of different places making cuts. And a lot of it comes down to the traditional sort of way, not just that like things have always run, but the way we've thought of these things, like 
live sports tended to be the one thing that media companies thought would would essentially have a firewall for you know to borrow that phrase from earlier right a firewall against the cord cutters because live sports is the thing that most people um, will just not give up on right they'll they'll watch the show a week later or they'll binge it in three months right but live sports they sort of need to watch live right well if you look around the the sort of landscape right now I mean it, does anybody really think that 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 that's not that that is still bulletproof does anybody really think that these media companies are going to be able to deliver on the promises of this revenue considering the fact that like i don't think anybody really understands sort of what the future of this really is i know that there are a lot of people out there like us who will who will you know no matter what channel our team is playing on we'll watch it right and we understand that like espn or whoever needs content to put on on its channels right but like what happens if some of those channels sort of um not i don't want to say like um that they um that they they completely go away but what happens if they just decide to show something else instead look at what has happened to broadcast television to even like prestige tv right and and the way that sort of the um the cheaper content that they can put out there is what goes out there people are just not that their watching habits aren't the same what what they're what these games and these these uh, audiences are um you know what or excuse me what these games and these broadcasters are sort of fighting for in terms of audiences is just not there's just too much out there for audiences to decide what to do with i keep thinking that that one of the pieces of this story that has not necessarily fully calcified is what the future actually looks like compared to the what the future of these deals is sort of structured as because these deals re- rely on people continuing to watch these games and listen i'm not saying that you know, Michigan and Ohio State aren't going to draw eyeballs. I'm just saying that, like, do we really think that we're going to be able to completely trust that people are going to continue to watch Rutgers and Maryland and that those people and whatever those eyeballs are are going to be able to actually deliver um, in terms of the revenue? I mean, I think we all think these things um, are sort of dyed in the wool and they're going to be there forever. But I, I mean, frankly, I just don't know. I just really don't know. Um, you know, viewers. And that was for, almost. It almost seems like that was Swafford's like gamble. I don't think this is what he was thinking necessarily, but kind of makes sense if you're like, well, our, our, he made a defensive move. Like, granted, right, and obviously, and the leagues, the leagues agreed, or the schools agreed to it. I mean, they didn't have to say yeah. yes. I think they knew but it was a plot. It, it, it was a defensive. Yeah. It was a defensive move. It was a move of like nobody trusts anybody, so let's just all walk into the ocean together. Um, and everybody was like, okay, like I don't trust Florida State, and Florida State's like, I don't trust Clemson, and they're like, okay, well, let's just kind of like handcuff each other. Um, and I get it, but at the same time, like the 20 year thing, it's like, do you not think that he didn't, that whoever was in charge of this didn't see the money that was coming, like they didn't understand like the gap that was coming because they would never have done it, doesn't make sense. Like they basically agreed to. You know, it would be like if Bud Light was like, all right, we'll sell you a case of beer at nine ninety nine in like 1995 for the next 20 years. But they didn't understand how like inflation works. And like, you know, in, in 2010 dollars, it's like nine ninety nine isn't as much, you know, and they it's like they missed that. Um, 
and well, one moves it right back to 999 you know right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it works well, yeah. you know but yeah it's i mean not... like that's my, my point is like it's it, it was like an oversight or it was like we're out of moves that's how yeah. it feels to me and and i think part of the problem is and you mentioned it brad like the way that like media is being consumed has changed and and now it's like even with a lot even a lot of sports are just streaming now like i mean and people still find them i don't know how good the numbers are i'm not in that world but you know there's big premier league games on peacock um that might not be the best example but they're putting football games on amazon prime now people people are watching them like you know what i mean like they're yeah. not on television imagine explaining that to somebody like 10 years ago or yeah. 15 or 20 years ago and i think like you know, like they'll can the football, you know, and especially will be consumed in the NCAA tournament and everything. But um, I think eventually it's like, is the return on investment right for the networks ex- there? Exactly. And I think it's the same with like movies and everything else. It's like these studios are paying like a billion dollars to make a movie. And it's like, okay, like eventually you're not going to get your return on investment. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like if you think about the studios right now, right, they're not actually, they don't care about the movie itself. They care about the IP. It's just about IP. I, yeah. Because yeah, the IP is the thing that can actually make you some money, right? So if you're Marvel and you own all these characters and you can put characters in movies, well, then you can put them all over everything and you have the the intellectual property to collect on that. I'm sorry, but I don't think the ACC can really, you know, can really do that right the games are the thing and right now if you think about it the games are not being watched at the same level they were they're certainly not being attended at the at the same level they were i it, and i i think people who have who have sort of of our you know sort of age group and maybe even a little older like this is this is this feels like to me essentially these schools and the leagues getting what they sort of um what we all worried they deserved when they started to try to rejigger everything because if you look at viewership if you look at um you know the way that people engage with the different sports and leagues and whatnot right now like pro sports are are in a very different place and i think part of that if you ask me at least in my own humble opinion right is like college sports lost a lot of the luster because all of the tradition that used to be central to the college sports experience went away Right. These a lot of leagues, a lot of schools sort of went after the money. And I get it. I'm not saying that they made the wrong decisions. I'm just saying that, like, there's some reaping and sowing. Right. The the bottom line is, is that a lot of these schools that used to be in places, excuse me, they used to be in situations. Right. Where the rivalries and the pageantry and sort of the the vibe was something that was handed down. Now it's so generic, right? Who cares about watching Alabama and Texas from strictly from a um, from a football standpoint? Sure, like they might have some really talented players. You know, there's some really talented recruits, but like, does it matter as much, right? Like one of the great things about college sports in general, and especially football and basketball to some extent too, is that you had these things that seemed to matter that carried beyond, right? Baton Rouge on a Saturday night, right? Like these things tended to matter. Well, now does it matter as much, right? If you're if you're making these super leagues, quote unquote super leagues or whatever, like do people care? Like you know, like I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily. Like this is not like a you know, you know, old man shakes fist at cloud. I'm just being real. Like a lot of the things that we all worried were would happen if college sports went the way it seemed to be going have kind of come to pass essentially like people don't care the way they used to care they don't 
attend the way they used to attend. They don't watch the way they used to watch because what they can watch, if you if all you wanted, right, was to put the best product on the screen, well, that was never going to happen because you have so many schools, and this is no disrespect intended in any D1 athlete, okay? But there's a difference between professional sports and college sports. College sports includes a lot of people who otherwise you would not watch playing that sport, right? There's a reason why the professional leagues have the players that they have and the college teams have the players they have, right? All You know, what's the NCAA's whole thing? You know, however many percent of us are going to go pro in something other than sports. There's a reason for that. They're not the best of the best. And so right now, people are only watching the best of the best. That's just the, the long and short of it. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of things I want to say, Brad. Like, I, I think the, the the end game for all of this is is basically college football as we know it becoming a semi-pro league. And then everyone else kind of going back to playing old college football. Um, because like, I think right now, so many people talk about TV eyes and every, everything you see is a TV ratings. And great, that's what decisions are being made on. But I think what's lost in that discussion is why are those TV ratings so high? And it's because like, you know, I went to UVA games with my uncle and I take my kids and they're going to go. But if people stop attending, like people say attendance in the stadium doesn't matter. It does because it creates a fan base who watches the game on TV, right? Um, people are going to watch for players. That's why we watch the NFL. You know, most people, I'd say if you, you know, polled 50 people who watch the NFL, only a few of them have a team they're like diehard fans of. They just like the players. I and don't think there's like a lot of parody, so like you can watch like any game and it's like, oh, this is all part of the larger thing. Whereas like college football, it's like, I don't really know what's going on in the Big 12, like on a yeah. like Texas Tech's playing Baylor. Like, is this a good big game? Is this a game that matters at all? Like, I don't yeah, even exactly. know. And yeah, yeah, it was the differentiator between college and, and NFL was in college football. You know, my my friends who are big NFL guys would be like, oh, why don't you have an like I'm a Bears fan, but I don't like the Bears lose. All right next channel you know virginia lose i need i need 24 hours right different thing um well this the, the argument for me has always been well i know these guys you know they came to virginia they've been here five you know they came to virginia to be a player they were here four or five years they developed to watch them grow you know they bled orange or blue well that's just not the case anywhere anymore so you got to get over that now you got to get over the whole now they're chasing money um and i don't know how much of a stomach the average sports fan has for that over time right now they're fine with it because the game's kind of at this peak, but that's going to get old quick. You know, when so-and-so the quarterback here is a, it's a quarterback there and you know, that stuff's going to get old very fast. So I like, I, I think ultimately all these TV deals are going to end up having to be renegotiated because the money's just not going to be there. You know, how many million people can, you know, how many millions of people can watch a game if at eight o'clock you got Alabama playing Texas on one network and you got Ohio State and Michigan on another and you got this and that, like <laughs> there's only so many eyes. So it's a, uh, and again, get what I said before, where do those eyes start? They start with that going to games with your parents and going to games with your family. You know, that that's your team. You'll still have that because people want to still go to college, but you won't have it like you did in the past. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Like, I mean, maybe you're an AD, you say, you know what, we're just going to let this thing ride. Because so look at, let's just talk about where the Big Ten and the SEC are after this most recent expansion. 
um, you know, SEC is loaded with schools, but they've also got, you know, Vanderbilt and some other lesser I, schools. I think the Big Ten is the one that's in this position. I think about this all the time. Like, is Purdue yeah, worth anything? Schools? Is Northwestern worth anything? Like, Yeah, well, Big Ten is probably a better example. They have a lot of them. They have, like, five of them. Minnesota. I mean, those yeah. are bigger. The thing that the Big Ten has going is those are bigger schools in bigger markets. It's where it's like, you know, like, there's a ton of people on the East Coast that went into Big Ten schools. Yeah, and then, you know it. So what happens then? You know, if that Big Ten, you, all of a sudden you got all these teams that are winning, and these teams that are don't. Before long, those big teams that are winning are going to say, "Why are we giving these guys so much? <laughs> They're not doing anything." So it'll, it's a mess, man. It's kind of depressing. Um, you know, it makes you miss like not being able to watch games on TV and having to go in person. Um, and kind of the the purity of what college football used to be overall like it was always cheaters but um you know the beauty of the sec to me you know the reason it got so huge was you know if you're an sec fan you pretty much drop to see your teammate play every game they played um same with the acc original acc for the most part so it, the whole thing is changing it, it does feel like it's built on a deck of cards though um that said i think if you've got a chance to kind of get a piece of that pie while that pie is huge you need to do it um yeah, I don't think ADs can it, really be, have a plan not to. I don't think ADs and presidents can really be thinking like 30 years down the road because a lot of this is about self-preservation. Um Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, if we don't do anything in 30 years, I won't have a job because this job won't be here. <laughs> like, you know, it won't be the same. Yeah. Um it I, does it, feel it, like there's a lack of adults in the room overall. Like there's no one saying, you know, like, we're getting crazy with these guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not um, my call, it's your call. Yeah. Um, you know, well, what are you going to do when, you know, you know, it's great to get this extra money and you know, every school wants it, but what are the teams going to, what are the schools going to do with this extra money? They're going to build extra stuff. Right. And that stuff causes, you know, maybe they add another program, another sport here or there, but for the most part, they're just going to use that money to build up their football facilities and you know, an arms race, if you will. Um, and at some point someone's just going to say enough. Yeah. I'm ready to say enough already, but <laughs> you, you just can't do it and, and still say re stay relevant. Yeah. Real quick, I Until do want to mention many that, many like, people agree. I do want to mention real quick that like we're not trying to, um, you know, we're not we're not sitting here like romanticizing sort of the way it was. I'm not, we're not we're not saying that like there can't be change and like how dare you, you know, we want to go back to the original ACC. Da 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 da. What we're what we're really trying to do is sort of paint a picture for like sort of how this whole thing got to where it is and extrapolating out sort of where it goes because the landscape to today's point earlier about like five-year deals versus 10-year deals and such like the landscape is changing so rapidly you know um and not necessarily because schools are are, are moving conferences i think that that part of it certainly has an impact but there's a lot more that goes into this for example like what who are these schools when not everybody goes to college right because real talk like these schools need kids to keep going to college. And if you look at sort of the landscape of, you know, where the youth, right, where the youth are trending or whatever, like they're not necessarily seeing college the same way either. Right. And a lot of these schools are, you know, dependent in terms of their athletic departments on whatever that TV revenue is, you know, and we've had you know, a lot of conversations both, you know, on and off air over the years about the idea of sort of a, um, um, a re, um, 
distribution, so to speak, of the way the schools um, make up the who make up the NCAA are sort of structured, right? So different tiers and that kind of thing. I mean, at some level, the process started to treat college sports like professional sports and yet also wanted to continue to treat college sports like college sports. The problem is the friction in between those two ends, right? And you can't, you can't, you can't create, you can't, you can't like move forward with one and on the other hand, try to hold on to the other, right? You can't sort of treat these schools like they're professional without being like, while also being afraid to relegate some of them, right? You, there's a reason there is no, you know, 120 team pro league, right? That would be absurd, right? One, that's not ever going to happen. But then two, like that's sort of the way the NCAA tries to have it, right? The NCAA would love for people to think of all the member schools as being on the same playing field. Frankly, we've all known for a long time that they are simply not. And teams like, you know, teams come and they go in terms of like the best this year, the best that year. But, you know, we tend to have a good feel for like what the powerhouse programs are going to be, what the blue chip programs are going to be. In the name, image, and likeness sort of era, right, where you're able to offer kids money, right, this is, this has the potential to rapidly change. I mean, like, you look at like, like West Virginia pulled in recruits that like, frankly, West Virginia has like no business pulling in. How? Well, because like, they were able to offer more NIL money. You look around the sort of landscape of college sports right now, and you have some you have some schools who have essentially been for a long time have-nots who suddenly have. Well, how long are they going to be haves? How long are people going to be willing to spend a bunch of money for what, right? And I think that is, the, that is the long and short of it. People spend money on pro sports because typically that money comes back, right? Look at the viewership numbers for the uh, NBA playoffs. Look at the... Um, the sort of um, the numbers for when these teams get sold, like a lot of, if you're in business with pro sports, typically that business is going to go well. Okay. That is not the way it is for college sports. And at some level, and, and again, we're trying real hard not to be preachy here, but at some level, like anybody who thinks otherwise, I mean, good luck to you, right? Like this is just not tenable. And there are a lot of schools, I think right now, um, if you think about sort of like, think about the number of people Wake Forest puts out every year, right? Think about what would happen to Wake Forest if Wake Forest wasn't part of a collective that brought in, you know, a significant amount of money on a revenue stream like the ACC has, right? What would the what would the athletic department even look like in Winston Salem, right? They just don't have they don't have an they would essentially they they would not be where they are. Full stop. They just wouldn't. And, and yeah, there's not a lot of test cases yet of that. I mean, I guess you could say like a UConn because they were like in an, a BCS game in the Big East and then ended up as an independent right. in football. I mean, obviously their basketball program is fine anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of shows you like what happens when you get untethered, so to speak, or what could happen, I guess. I guess it didn't happen to everybody in the Big East, but they kind of got lost, right? Like, and... Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, but it's also kind of arbitrary that Wake Forest is in a power position at all. They have like four thousand students, like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're in it because they were in it in the fifties. Like, do they deserve to be in it more than Houston? No, 
Like, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, they're not like any more relevant or less relevant besides historically. Um, you know, same with like Northwestern being in the Big Ten. It's like, cool. Like, you're in the Big Ten because you always were. So now you're in a position. I mean, I guess you are where you are in life. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole thing is we, you mentioned like 120 team pro league. Like, that's kind of, I think that's part of what happened too is like, in the 90s and early 2000s, college football viewing exploded because they had better TV access. And, the you know, a few big corporations basically got in the middle of it. And that's what changed college football, I think. And the leagues got greedy. And the network said, oh, we can really capitalize on these viewers. There's a lot of viewers out there. Um, and they started to treat college football more seriously. But now it's kind of like, what's the next thing? I don't even know. But, like... If you have, you know, you mentioned like there's a lot of dead weight in the FBS level from a competition standpoint. Right. Yeah. And football and- is weird because like there, I mean, there's bowl games and stuff like it's like a weird one off. Like it's the only sport I, I can think of like that where it's like you can go six and six and play an extra game, but everybody knows it's just for fun. But it does matter. But it's it does weird. matter. Yeah. It like what other sport does that? I don't. And it's like, yeah, so and it's hard to compare college football to like other things. Right. Um, the only thing yeah. I can think of is like the Premier League, because in the Premier League, you have teams that know they're not going to win the title. So success is like finishing ninth and their fans will like remember that and be happy right. with that. Right. Um, or not getting relegated or getting promoted. Um, you know, those are or getting into Europe or whatever, like, but you know, you're really not on the Man City Liverpool level. Like, you're just not, and you're not going to be. Um, and it's almost like college football should treat it that way, but, you know, I don't know how you kind of unwind this. What, what should yeah, have I mean, been a tell, real quick, Dave, what yeah. should have been a tell, I think, it was years ago, or so, I mean, maybe not a tell to everybody because they wouldn't have been in a position to, to hear this, but I have often said to people, like, High school recruits don't necessarily watch college football games, and they would be like, "What? Why? No, they they need to because you know that's how they check out the no." Let me tell you what: kids who play football on Friday nights, you know what they're doing on Saturdays when they're not like doing taking visits, whatever. They're not watching football, right? These are the these are the potential viewers who have literally the most invested, right? Unless you're talking about some you know, person who has a business that has, you know, NIL money dumped in somebody and needs them to score touchdowns. So their ads will be more, whatever. But like these high school recruits have the most invested in having, like have the biggest vested interest in like understanding how teams do, how their things work, what it, you know, what it's perceived as you would think, right. That these would be the people who above anybody else would want to watch and they don't. And why is that? Cause they're busy doing other stuff. And if the people who have the biggest vested interest in understanding what this program or that program looks like on Saturdays don't watch, what does that say about people who have regular old nine to five jobs? You know what I'm saying? It costs a lot of money to go to games. It costs a lot of money to um, to sort of do all the things around that. And it certainly, there's never been a time where there's more to do than there is now, right? It just stands to reason that people are going to have a lot of um, pressures, essentially, that say you can't watch that game today, right? And that's just the long, like, that's just, that's going to, if that's a thing now, it's going to become even more of a thing. The days when you had certain number of channels or limited amounts of channels or whatever, 
and you you knew that a certain number of people were just going to watch anyway, right? That's how you have in, what amounts to like institutional college wealth, where like even though Purdue has never been good, right, or whatever, or like consistently good or whatever, even though Vanderbilt's never been good, right? You know, these teams can continue to make money because people just continue to watch the games they've always watched, except now they're just not now they're and and this is going to become exponentially worse in the years to come. So sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. You kind of hit what I was going to say anyway. Um, so now, I mean, I think there's just so many ways to look at this. And I mean, I think right now, um, I mean, I think long term, the uh the whole thing is going to blow up and it's going to change and it's going to be completely different. Um, you know, you just look at little factors. Like, I mean, the downside to all this talk coming out is you've already got this perception. If you've got fans on the fence because of NIL and because you see recruits leaving and all this transferring and like, Hey, if you got, you can't win if you don't have money, um, they're already getting kind of, you know, turned off by what's going on. And now, you know, you get reports like this, like, oh, the ACC might break up now. Um, I feel like something, I can tell you, talking to some friends, they, they're, like, starting to get over the whole thing, right? Like, oh, great, who cares? They, Virginia should just leave the ACC and go, you know, go play FCS or whatever because, you know, we're never going to be competitive anyway. Um, and there's, you know, look, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of ADs that worry about that, Um but yeah, I mean, I mean, you said we weren't going to get all sentimental. I mean, I am sentimental. I do, I do miss the way it was. Not to say there weren't issues and there still weren't the same. Like, I wish we had the resources they did at that time. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, you know it, it just feels like everything is ballooning to a point where it's not sustainable. Um, and as much as I don't, like, I, you know, Virginia's been in the ACC my whole life. I think for, you know, as a Virginia fan, like you, you want to get, I don't see how the ACC can survive short of everyone just saying like having a pact that, Hey, we're not, we're just not going to be able to compete with the SEC and big 10. That's the way it is. We're going to stick it out. We're going to sell this ship and be happy. Um, I don't think they will. So if this thing is going to blow up, I hope Virginia can, you know, can grab some of that money while it's there. Yeah. Um, until the whole reset comes about, um, I don't know what that reset is going to be. I mean, at some point, these conferences get so big, you, you know, it's just it's just a whole yeah. division. There's like know, a competitive. Re, you talked about like viewership. There is like a competitive like reflex that could happen too. I don't think we're gonna. I don't know that we'll get as diabolical as like leagues kicking teams out necessarily, but like you know, unequal revenue sharing would make sense. Um, but I think like that's part of it too, right? You mentioned like eventually they're talking about like sec adding like to 22 teams or crazy stuff like that. Cause that's what it would have to happen. If the ACC was going to break up with these teams leaving, that would mean these other leagues are up to like 20 teams. And it's like, how do you make that work? Is that even like, what is that? Is that like a mini NFL within itself um, where you're like self-contained and everybody just plays teams in their own league? Um or I mean, it sounds it like, like yeah, it does sound does like it the AFC bloated? and the NFC, doesn't it? Yeah, does it become sort of bloated? You know, I, I, what does it even mean? But I think also like, I would, well, obviously times have changed with parity and things like that. And I, I'm not going to say that UVA never had a chance to be good because they had they were number one at one point. Um, but you know, that was a different time. That was like 33 years ago now. Um, 
And I think like the idea that like, oh, well, UVA won't be able to compete in the like in this new version of college football because of the discrepancies in finance. They're not competing now. Like, like, what are we talking about? Like, they're not competitive. Yeah. Like, the flip side of that is, and is they're like, not going to well, be like, what, if, what, like, uh, like they might get better than they are now. And maybe you luck into the perfect quarterback and you're good for a season or two for a hot yeah, second. But it's like, what, what is that? I mean, and that's great. Like maybe that's something I'm not saying like, don't have any optimism, but you have to, like I was saying about the premier league, you have to redefine what success means. If right. you want to, ha- if you want to not hate this, um, because like, it, you know, it's not like, you're losing something that uva currently has they're not competitive and a lot of that has to do with like the seriousness of you know not the university but people that go to the university at these other universities pump money in you know like there's it's it's kind of complicated i was thinking about the sec because i think on the one hand like the sec is propped up by the media like they're not it's not they're not they are the best league right but like i think like people feeling like t- it's must see TV SEC football is a lot of it is like the ESPN's telling you that so that you watch it. Right. Like they're like, Oh, you got, you know, like they spend all this time pr- like propping up the programming. Whereas like with the ACC, they don't really do that as much. Um, but like, also I think they're the reason that those teams are good is because like people care. Um, and that's why they've been invested for decades and decades because people cared. Um, and that's why people that's why people that's why people cheated right i mean like they cheated because they want to win like it wasn't just because they're evil (laughs) like you know they they were just like we just want to win football games we don't care um and i think like you know that's these ad's and they're, they're looking out for like the interests of themselves and their schools but ultimately it's like you kind of uva is a middle class football program in a middle class league now even if they got, even if the SEC and the Big Ten get richer, they'll still be a middle class league team in a middle class league. Middle class like, team in a middle class league, and the rent I don't is think going I don't up. think we need to pretend like. I mean, I think things can get worse, but I don't think, I don't think like football is just going to implode, um, like and you know because because the SEC and the Big Ten are more competitive. They're already more competitive, and it's been like that for decades. One more thing before we wrap up. I was just thinking, you know, the idea of that, you know, people are obviously concerned, you know, that their school in, in, in our case, UVA, isn't going to be able to do this or that. But let's imagine that that school is part of one of these, like, essentially these, you know, AFC, NFC sort of jumbo conferences that are like half of the NCAA, whatever. If that revenue stream is significant and they do manage to survive, you can't tell me that there aren't ways because I'm not saying that like UVA is going to be Alabama, but in that reality, considering sort of what that revenue would mean and what you could do with it, that is, I mean, I think that's the thing when it comes to UVA football, the thing that is not talked about enough. The McHugh Center sat there for so long for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. There's not, that's yep. not to say that there weren't plenty of donors who, we're making donations to UVA all the time. It was just that like the football program was not the thing that, that moved the needle, right? It was not among, among donors, right? There were obviously plenty of donors who, who gave to, to, to be able to, you know, have the parking passes and seats and such. And, and there was, there was obviously some coming in. I'm not trying to make it out like they didn't, but like, there was not like big ticket money, right? 
that big ticket money went elsewhere in the athletic department and in the university community, right? If you're talking about revenue that comes in from the outside that, you know, let's say UVA leaves the ACC as part of this new collective SEC, which is essentially now half of uh, the college football um, farm league for the NFL, right? You become like less dependent on the donors. Yeah, you do. Right. And, and so there's a lot of room there. So if that, I mean, like ultimately, like if they turn UVA into a school that amounts to the Richmond Braves, right. And you've got all this talent um, that's coming through these schools that's going to play, you know, maybe go to the next level or whatever. There's still going to be way too many dudes. So they're not, all of them are going to be pros, but you still, you know, that revenue matters. It matters a lot. And I'm not saying that like UVA is essentially going to be like running the SEC. I'm not dumb, but I'm just saying that like from a revenue standpoint, $50 million difference or whatever it might be between what UVA is currently getting and what UVA could get conceivably and something like that. That's a substantial chunk of change. And quite frankly, to my whole tirade earlier about like media rights and people viewership and stuff, if all of a sudden you change college football to have it sort of be like a semi-pro league and now you're able to sort of like have the better colleges and you're not worried about trying to put, um, you know, teams that aren't pulling in that revenue on TV and such that that does change the calculus some. And I understand that like a lot of us, there's a purist in us that wants, you know, and I get it because I'm right there with you. Having said that, if this is the reality that there's a lot, there's a lot that would have to um, play out before we even get to a place where we could make any sort of like call on how it all looks. But um, you guys got anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll try to put a bow on this for the all listener. Right. Go I mean, ahead. You guys can disagree with me if you want. But I think we're at a point where yeah, I think everyone, I think if you're a fan and you saw what came out of those ACC meetings, my, my takeaway, and I think you guys are on the same page is there's some brewing. Um, and I don't know if that means six months or, or two years, but there's something brewing and the ACC is going to change radically one way or the other. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, if you're a Virginia fan, you want their football program to be relevant. You need to hope when that happens, Virginia. And I think Virginia's in a good place. You know, they're a sought after institution just because of what they are as a whole. Um, they'll probably, you know, if they if the ACC does split, they're able to get out of the grant of rights. Virginia will most likely end up in the Big Ten, um, maybe the SEC, but they're, they're not going to get left by the wayside just because they're – Neither one of those two conferences are in our state, and Virginia's the flagship. Um, whether Tech comes along or not, we'll see. So, short term, if something happens, I think Virginia's a good place. If it doesn't happen, or or even if Virginia ends up in a good place, I think 20, 25 years from now, Virginia's probably in the same place if nothing happens as if they move. Um, because I think there's a big bubble that's going to burst here. And I don't think Virginia in any way, just because of the size of the school, um, is going to be in a position to be an Alabama or a Texas or an Ohio state or a Penn state, a school that could, you know, still going to survive football wise. If that big money bubble bursts, just because they will never have the alumni base to support, you know, we, we didn't have it then we won't have it now. Um, so long story short, I think the interesting part is what happens in the next 15 or 20 years, but I think 20 years from now, you're probably in the same place regardless. Well, Given let's let's squirrel some of these episodes away. <laughs> no, I'm here. I, I no, I was just gonna say let's squirrel some of these episodes away on your dad's server, and we'll visit this again um, in a few, in a decade, and uh, we'll see we'll see where the chips fell. 
Um, Will there even s- be servers then? <laughs> That's a really good point. It will, maybe it'll be just embedded in our brains. Uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much. You gave us a listen. If you don't mind, look us on up, uh, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody out there has found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Um, Houston put together this uh, really good primer um, for 2024 that I think was, um, I almost said 2022, which would be really funny, um, which I think was really good. Uh, I think he did a great job with that. Um, we're going to keep rolling out these sort of off season sort of stories. Um, I like the one Ferber did the other day with the, um, the sort of returning players and the breakout candidates. So anyway, give us a look at the website, CavsCorner.com. I want to thank, uh, my perfect franchise for their support of the website and of the show. Andy and his folks do a great job. Um, if you're somebody out there who would like to get a, a new start, would like to get involved in something different, if you're somebody in corporate America, you, you kind of hate it or even mildly dislike it. You know, there's lots of different avenues out there and lots of different opportunities. Give Andy a call. It's what he does, and he loves to do it. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find Freedom Your Next Venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show, and of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon. Now-